Continual of Chapter 1 Come along in and have some tea, he managed to say after taking a deep breath. A little beer would suit me better, if it is all the same to you, my good sir, said Balin with the white beard. But I don't mind some cake, seed cake, if you have any. Lots, Bilbo found himself answering, to his own surprise. And he found some, and he found himself scuttling off to to the cellar to fill a pint beer mug, and then to a pantry to fetch two beautiful round seed cakes, which he had baked that afternoon for his after supper morsel. When he got back, Bolin and Bolin were talking at the table like old friends. As a matter of fact, they were brothers. Bilbo plumped down the beer and cake in front of them when loud came a ring at the bell again, and then another ring. Gandalf for certain this time, he thought as he puffed along the passage. But it was not. It was two more dwarfs, both with blue hoods, silver belts, and yellow beards, and each of them carried a bag of tools and a spade. In they hopped as soon as the door began to open. Bilbo was hardly surprised at all. "'What can I do for you, my dwarfs?' he said. "'Killy at your service,' said the one, "'and Philly,' said the other. "'And they both swept off their blue hoods and bowed. "'At yours and your families,' replied Bilbo, "'remembering his manners this time. "'Dwallin and Bolin here already, I see,' said Killy. "'Let us join the throng.' "'Throng?' thought Mr. Baggins. "'I don't like the sound of that. "'I really must sit down for a minute.' and collect my wits and have a drink. He had only just a sip in the corner while the four dwarves sat round the table and talked about mines and gold and troubles with the goblins and the depredations of dragons and lots of other things which he did not understand and did not want to, for they sounded much too adventurous. When ding-dong a ling-dang, his bell rang again as if some naughty little hobbit boy was trying to pull the handle off. Someone at the door, he said, blinking. Some four, I should say by the sound, said Philly. Besides, we saw them coming along behind us in the distance. The poor little hobbit sat down in the hall and put his head in his hands and wondered what had happened and what was going to happen and whether they would all stay to supper. Then the bell rang again, louder than ever, and he had to run to the door. It was not four after all, it was five. Another dwarf had come along while he was wandering in the hall. He had hardly turned the knob before they were all inside, bowing and saying, At your service, one after another. Dory, Nori, Ori, Oin and Gloin were their names, and very soon two purple hoods, a grey hood, a brown hood and a white hood were hanging on the pegs, and off they marched with their broad hands stuck in their gold and silver belts to join the others. Already it had almost become a throng. Some called for ale, and some for porter, and one for coffee, and all of them for cakes. So the hobbit was kept very busy for a while. A big jug of coffee had just been set in the hearth, the seed cakes were gone and the dwarves were starting on a round of buttered scones when there came a loud knock. Not a ring, but a hard rat-tat on the hobbit's beautiful green door. Somebody was banging with a stick. Bilbo rushed along the passage, very angry, and 
altogether bewildered and bewithered. This was the most awkward Wednesday he ever remembered. He pulled open the door with a jerk, and they all fell in, one on top of the other. More dwarfs, four more. And there was Gandalf behind, leaning on his staff and laughing. He had made quite a dent on the beautiful door. He had also, by the way, knocked out the secret mark that he had put there the morning before. Carefully, carefully, he said. It's not like you, Bilbo, to keep friends waiting on the mat and then open the door like a popgun. Let me introduce Bifer, Bofer, Bomber, and especially Thorin. At your service, said Bifer, Bofer, and Bomber, standing in a row. Then they hung up two yellow hoods and a pale green one, and also a sky blue one with a long silver tassel. This last belonged to Thorin an enormously important dwarf. In fact, no other than the great Thorin Oakenshield himself, who was not at all pleased at falling flat on Bilbo's mat with Bifer, Bofer, and Bomber on top of him. For one thing, Bomber was immensely fat and heavy. Thorin indeed was very haughty and said nothing about service. But poor Mr. Baggins said he was sorry so many times that at last he grunted, Pray don't mention it, and stopped frowning. Now we are all here, said Gandalf, looking at the row of thirteen hoods, the best detachable party hoods, and his own hat hanging on the pegs. Quite a merry gathering. I hope there is something left for the latecomers to eat and drink. What's that? Tea? No, thank you. A little red wine, I think, for me. And for me, said Thorin. And raspberry jam and apple tart, said Bifer. And mince pies and cheese, said Bofer. And pork pie and salad, said Bomber. And more cakes. And ale. And coffee, if you don't mind, called the other dwarves through the door. Put on a few eggs, there's a good fellow, <laughs> Gandalf called after him as the hobbits stomped off to the pantries. And just bring out the cold chicken and pickles. Seems to know as much about in the inside of my larders as I do myself, thought Mr. Baggins, who was feeling positively flamoxed and was beginning to wonder whether a most wretched adventure had not come right into his house. By the time he had got all the bottles and dishes and knives and forks and glasses and plates, and spoons and things piled up on big trays, he was getting very hot and red in the face and annoyed. Confusticate and bebother these dwarfs, he said aloud. Why don't they come and lend a hand? Lo and behold, there stood Borlin and Dwarlin at the door of the kitchen and Philly and Killy behind them. And before he could say knife, they had whisked the trays and a couple of small tables in the parlor and set out everything afresh. Gandalf sat at the head of the party with the thirteen dwarves all around, and Bobo sat on a stool at the fireside, nibbling at a biscuit. His appetite was quite taken away, and trying to look as if this was all perfectly ordinary and not in the least an adventure. The dwarves ate and ate and talked and talked, and time got on. At last, they pushed their chairs back, and Bilbo made a move to collect the plates and glasses. I suppose you will all stay to supper, he said in his politest, unpressing tones. Of course, said Thorin, and after. 
we shan't get through the business till late, and we must have some music first, now to clear up. Thereupon the twelve dwarves, not Thorin, he was too important, and stayed talking to Gandalf, jumped to their feet and made tall piles of all the things. Off they went, not waiting for trays, balancing columns of plates, each with a bottle on the top with one hand, while the hobbit ran after them almost squeaking with fright. Please be careful and please don't trouble, I can manage. But the dwarves only started to sing. Chip the glasses and crack the plates, blunt the knives and bend the forks. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. Smash the bottles and burn the corks. Cut the cloth and tread on the fat. Pour the milk on the pantry floor. Leave the bones on the bedroom mat. Splash the wine on every door. Dump the crocks in a boiling bowl. Pound them up with a thumping pole. And when you've finished, if any are whole, send them down the hall to roll the hall to roll. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates, so carefully, carefully with the plates. And of course, they did none of these dreadful things, and everything was cleaned and put away safe as quick as lightning, while the hobbit was turning round and round in the middle of the kitchen, trying to see what they were doing. Then they went back and found Thorin, with his feet on the fender, smoking a pipe. He was blowing the most enormous smoke rings and wherever he told one to go, it went up the chim it went up the chimney or behind the clock on the mantelpiece or under the table or round and round the ceiling. But wherever it went, it was not quick enough to escape Gandalf. Pop! He sent a smaller smoke ring from his short clay pipe straight through each one of Thorin's. Then Gandalf's smoke ring would go green and come back to hover over the wizard's head. He had a cloud of them about him already, and in the dim light it made him look strange and sorcerous. Bilbo stood still and watched. He loved smoke rings, and then he blushed to think how proud he had been yesterday morning of the smoke rings he had sent up the wind over the hill. Now for some music, said Thorin. Bring out the instruments. Killy and Philly rushed for their bags and brought back little fiddles. Dory, Nori, and Ori brought out flutes from somewhere inside their coats. Bomba produced a drum from the hall. Bifa and Bofa went out too and came back with clarinets that they had left along the walking sticks. Dolan and Borland said, Excuse me, I left mine in the porch. Just bring mine in with you, said Thorin. They came back with vials as big as themselves and with Thorin's harp wrapped in a green cloth. It was a beautiful golden harp and when Thorin struck it, the music began all at once. So sudden and sweet that Bilbo forgot everything else and was swept away into, the, into dark lands under strange moons, far over the water and very far from his hobbit hole under the hill. The dark came into the room from the little window that opened in the side of the hill. The fire, the firelight flickered, it was April, and still they played on, while the shadow of Gandalf's beard wagged against the wall. The dark filled all the room, and the fire died down, and the shadows were lost, and still they played on, and suddenly first one and then another began to sing as they played deep-throated singing of the dwarves in the deep places of their ancient homes. 
And this is like a fragment of their song. If it can be like their song without their music. Far over the misty mountains cold, to dungeons deep and caverns old, we must away ere break of day to seek the pale enchanted gold. The dwarves of yore made mighty spells, while hammers fell like ringing bells. In places deep where dark things sleep, in hollow halls beneath the fells, for ancient king and elvish lord, there many a gleaming golden hoard. They shaped and wrought and light they caught to hide in gems on hilts of sword. On silver necklaces they strung, the flowering stars on crowns they hung, the dragon fire in twisted wire. They meshed the light of moon and sun, far over the misty mountains cold, to dungeons deep and caverns old. We must away ere break of day to claim our long forgotten gold. Goblets they carved there for themselves, and harps of gold where no man delves. There lay they long, and many a song was sung unheard by men or elves. The pines were roaring on the height, the winds were moaning in the night, the fire was red, it flaming spread, the trees like torches blazed with light, the bells were ringing in the dale, and men looked up with faces pale, the dragon's ire more fierce than fire, laid low their towers and houses frail, the mountain smoked beneath the moon, the dwarves they heard the tramp of doom. They fled their hall to dying fall, beneath his feet, beneath the moon, far over the misty mountains grim, to dungeons deep and caverns dim. We must away ere break of day to win our harps and gold from him.